0: Cade Mila Faulta, welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world.
1: Hello, Kate Mila Faulta, and you are very welcome to a brand new series of the Letter from Ireland show. This is Mike Collins, and today we're going to start off the series with, well, as you might guess, episode one, and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different, we thought, because as we actually recorded this particular episode, we're here in the middle of April 2021, and I'm sitting on my desk at a cottage in County Cork in Ireland, and the good news is uh, that Ireland has recently come out of kind of, I suppose, its most extreme lockdown over the last 10 to 12 weeks, and we can now travel for the last week or so inside our county. So that's quite a bit of freedom because it was 5K for the last 10 weeks or so, and now, well, we live in County Cork, the uh, one of the largest, if not the largest county in Ireland, and we can travel around the boundaries. So very, very happy with that. So we said to ourselves, Corina and myself, what's the best way to kick off this brand new series? and funny enough we decided to pull out um i suppose kind of a recording we did the green room members uh, all of one year ago and funny enough at that point in time we were in exactly the same situation in other words the Ireland and County Cork had come out of a lockdown which limited us to staying at home and for the first time we were able to travel around the county so we immediately took advantage of this and we published a show called a uh, lockdown tour of County Cork so we're going to give you some of the highlights of that particular show today so what you need to bear in mind is that, first of all, we mention maps, we mentioned photographs, we refer to the maps and photographs. So by the way, if you're driving, just skip over that part. I'm sure you can just listen to the show anyway. But when you do get home or as you follow through along with the show at home, you can find those maps and those photographs at the following location, a letter from Ireland forward slash. 61. So our show notes can be found at a letter from Ireland.com forward slash 61. So we think you're going to enjoy this particular episode as we get series six kicked off. And I think it's now time to hand over to Karina and myself of one year ago.
0: I hope you're all very well, because today we're going to take a little trip and we're dull here, which means we're heading west.
1: We're not staying here, we're going here.
0: So, the word for Western Irish is here t h i a r we don 't pronounce the t, so we 're a dull here, and I hope you all join us for this wonderful trip we 're just feeling the freedom of coming out of lockdown and we 're going to call this our lockdown tour of county Cork
1: because just this Monday we actually got as Queen says there unrestricted after almost twelve weeks of being restricted to between. 2k and 5k of our homes, suddenly we could actually travel inside our county, and we're lucky to live in the largest county in Ireland, County Cork. Now, today we're going to share with you um, our recent trip just uh, earlier this week uh, across County Cork. And what we did basically, we decided to do was take one portion of County Cork from where we are and start to head west and do a loop. Now, what we actually did was we included we included just below um, an actual map so you can follow along and a series of photographs which we'll comment on as we go through it. Now, um, so, folks, if you want to follow along, do be sure to look below this particular episode and you'll see each one of our stops and we talk about the stops as we go. Now, first and foremost, let's start off with the first stop.
0: So, our first stop is Bail Nablau. And I think the nice thing about our trip around County Cork is that a lot of the names of the villages and the towns that we visited had a wonderful translation from the English or the Anglicised version back to the Irish. So I'm going to mention those as we move along. So bale n'blah, your bale is your mouth. N'blah was flowers, but they think actually that it's it's actually the mouth of buttermilk. So it's something to do with buttermilk because the last Irish speaker from the area pronounced it in that way. So you can see how things change through the anglicization
1: yeah and just to say with regards to anglicization folks and place names a lot of this stuff was never written down the first day that the name was given to things in irish so you know it is a representation through a local accent if you like and people trying to interpret just what was actually being said so yeah it did kind of deviate from perhaps the initial meaning but you know that's part of the fun too korean isn't it so we stopped off stop one on the map there folks as we headed west that place called Béle-le-Blau. And uh, well, that is the site. Do you remember why we stopped there, craig
0: Yes, I mean, Belle le I suppose, is just maybe about 40 minutes outside of Cork City, really. And it's a it's a very little quiet spot. You have to know where you're going and what you're looking for. But Good we do. Good place an ambush. Yes. So, of course, this was the place back in the 22nd of August, 1922, an old dirt road. Just picture it just as sunset was beginning to fall around 7.30 p.m. Here, Michael Collins, the commander in chief of the National Army, was ambushed and killed here on this site. So there is a memorial there. And if you're looking at the pictures as we're uh, talking here, you'll see a little white stone with a black cross and that is actually the exact place where he fell and of course he was traveling in a convoy and very unaware that he might be in trouble I think and uh, the plot was there and they were waiting for him and he was shot and then there was mayhem I believe as people tried to get him through the fields and back to Cork
1: yeah and he died very very shortly after that in fact and his body actually had to be transported by water back to dublin where he actually i think he had hundreds of thousands of people at his funeral and he's buried of course in Glasnevin cemetery in the north of dublin now the thing about it is though i think he's kind of achieved mythical status really over the years korean hasn't he because at that point in time he was killed in the dying days of the irish civil war so as the local forces one against the other and the interesting thing we're actually just undergoing uh, the results of a an election here with the two main political parties actually coming together for the first time to form a coalition government and to point out each one of these particular parties we're talking about Fianna Fáil on the one hand and Fianna Gael on the other hand were the two actual parties that actually went to civil war back in 1922 essentially they arose out of that either side and it's only now that you're actually seeing them coming together almost 100 years later. So, you know, it really did put a division in Irish society at the time, that particular civil war. Now, of course, Michael Collins is a hero of the War of Independence and perhaps even going back to 1916. But if you really want to catch up with his life and times in an entertaining sort of way, there is that movie, of course, Carina, with uh, Liam Neeson playing the main part. And I think it kind of gives you a pretty good kind of a feel for life at the time and a bit of Hollywood sparkle on top as well, of course. And I guess that, Karina with that, we picked up our, well, we picked, got back into our car. Uh, not worried about an ambush in this area or anything like that. It's a beautiful part of the country. And we headed further west to the little village of Kale Kill, which is stop two that you see on the map there. And if you go down below the map, you can see some of the pictures as well that uh, we actually took when we arrived in Caelquil.
0: And one of the first pictures you'll see is the lovely sign as you approach the village. We were really admiring that. It's got the words, it's got the Irish, and it's got the history in the picture. So it's got everything there. So Caelquil means a narrow wood, a quail, queel. Queel is a wood. And you'd see that in a lot of Irish names.
1: With K-I-L-L typically or K-I-L.
0: Exactly. And so it comes from the Irish Queel, a wood. So a narrow, a narrow wood. So here we were in Caelquil. And the the first thing we noticed was the beautiful flora around the area. This is a great time, I guess, to travel travel in Ireland. The gorse and the firs have just turned, but in their place, there's fantastic flowers. And one of the ones that stands out, of course, are what we call foxgloves or digitalis. So I remember as a kid, we had great fun with those foxgloves. You you (laughs) pick one and you (laughs) pop it and you make a wonderful sound. So we'd, we'd stopped in Kale Kill really for two reasons. And the first one is we wanted to investigate the stone circle in Kale Kill. So if you look below at the pictures you'll, you'll see the stones the standing stones now we took the opportunity to drive up to the standing stones because they're just about maybe a kilometer outside of the village of Cailkill but they're really up a very very steep hill and you're rewarded when you come to the top you park by be this by the side of the farmer's field really hop over the gate and in the field as we did and there there wasn't a puff of wind that day so there wasn't like oh, very
1: very um very benign
0: yes which is interesting and dry on the land too dry on the land and you have a view down over the harbour down t- way into the distance to Bantry Bay and up to the highest point of West Cork which is called Canuck Bui. and of course you've got your stone circle
1: now I mean stone circles first of all this is a part of the country in Ireland that you find a lot of stone circles standing stone dolmens and so on and I think it's worthwhile pointing out That they go back, those stone circles you're looking at there, those particular standing stones, were probably put into place at least two and a half thousand years ago. And we're going back to a time that was before the arrival of the Celts in Ireland. And as such, an awful lot of the history associated with the actual stone circles can only be deduced basically from archaeological digs and so on and best guesses. And I think, Karina, a lot of the actual evidence as to why they were used and how they were used is still only starting to come to light
0: absolutely I mean a lot of the archaeological digs around the area often look for maybe bones or some sort of clues and here at this stone circle they have found two trenches in the middle of the circle in a kind of a, a, a the shape of a cross and they think maybe that supported a wooden beam but sure it's so difficult to tell we're talking about two and a half thousand years ago
1: yeah I mean if we go back in our own history unless the time of the Irish chieftains at least five or six hundred years ago these pieces, they actually would have been antiquities at that point, you know, and they would have had no idea apart from kind of feeling they're part of the landscape and their heritage uh, as to what the original purpose was. But of course, what they started to do was use it as meeting places and to use them as inaugural sites for, let's say, the crowning of the local chieftains and so on. So they typically achieved an awful lot of significance down through the years uh, for that particular purpose, not just the original use. And I think as well, Karina, they, were, they were originally aligned To different kind of sunsets and sunrises and equinoxes. Absolutely,
0: and And seemingly the one here that we visited in Kilkelly, you'll see that is aligned to the southwest. So. Yeah, um it's I think we have a lot more to learn about these places, but we they're just all over Ireland. We're just so uh you know, it's wonderful to visit them and to think when you're standing there by that stone that somebody stood there two and a half thousand years ago. It's fascinating.
1: So when you see the actual signpost just underneath the uh, stones there in the article below, you might notice that we have the stone circle we just came from, and we're gonna be going over to Carriganas Castle in just a minute. But you also noticed a Gaeilthag, the Vusgrí. And what that is, is basically the Slea the is a way or a walkway, hence the little yellow man there. Now, Gaeilthag Vusgrí is actually the Irish-speaking area that you find just to the north of where we are here in Balivorna and, so, and up around there in Coolay. So it's an absolutely beautiful part of the country. It's a fascinating part of the country. It's remote for decades, if not hundreds of years. And as a result, it t- became one of the last places where Irish... As spoken as an everyday language. But I think we're gonna jump over to the actual castle now, Yeah. Pretty, I we? mean
0: for a little village of Cailkill, there we have a wonderful stone circle, and down in the village then, beside the fast flowing river, we come across the castle. And this this castle here is um O'Sullivan Bear's castle and it's called
1: Carrigan Ass.
0: Carrigan Ass. And there's some lovely photos there of the castle that, Mike, Mike, you took with me in the foreground and the wonderful sky in the background that a lot of people really admired. We were hoping for sun that day, but, you know, sometimes when you're out and about in the Irish countryside, if it's a cloudy day, you actually get better photographs.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go around Ireland as well, you start to wonder why the castles are where they are. They were typically on the boundaries, if you like, or the borders of the chieftain's land. So, which kind of makes sense, Carina, you know, because although, you know, Boundaries tended to come and go, and so on. Over time, they settled down, and certainly by this time, the 13, 14, 1500s, uh, you'd find all of these castles at the extent of the land, so either on the by the sea or maybe inland. And in this case, this was probably one of the most furthest inland of the O'Sullivan Beira castles. And um, as you can see, there are typically obviously kind of built near water, beautiful, beautiful spot. And, uh Creen, how did the water feel that day, by the way? So
0: Very into, cold, but it yeah. was low because we've actually had not much, we haven't had much rain. So, um believe it or not, I brought the swimming togs, but I never put them on because the sun didn't shine for us that day. But we, we weren't going to take a oh, dip if yeah. it, was it was nice. It was a day for
1: the coat, really. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history surrounding this castle. There's a lot of history surrounding the uh, Sullivan uh, Bearer clan. Um, there's things like, you know, if you just kind of go back to roughly the times we're actually talking about here, there was built, I think, Queen and the, uh, for-
0: this, this castle was built. Let me see now in 1541, yeah. but that I suppose the story that is really associated with it is in 1602 when O'Sullivan Behrer passed through here, um, and he was heading up to Leitrim. The English forces had defeated him. And
1: that's like a two or 300 mile March, by the way. And it's a new year's Eve folks.
0: Yes, Starting. it's and I mean, while thousands set out in the march, I believe it's something like 30, 35. 35 people ended up in Leitrim. And unfortunately, while he, he was attacked by both the English forces and uh, the Irish chieftains on the way up there. So that, that that was really, I suppose, the end, as they say, of the Irish chieftains in, in, in Ireland. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, 1605, as we were talking about earlier at the time, was look, looking back at the flight of the earls. Uh, from Donegal. And that really, really kind of, I mean, we, I think we did a letter there just recently, actually, I'm thinking back in it, uh, about uh, Red Hugh O'Donnell as being one of the actual earls around that time as well. So he would have been involved with uh, Donald Camus, Oliver Bear, the Battle of Kinsale, for example. Which so was th-
0: in 1601. So you had that Battle of Kinsale. Everybody was hoping at that stage to defeat the British. But of course, as we know, that did not go uh, for, it did not go for the Irish so they but you ended know, up now, just thinking defeated. there that's
1: that's that's kind of the history we learned as well but it's way more subtle than that because you had the Spanish on one side with part of the Irish let's say you were led by Red Hugh O'Donnell and so on and then you had the English on the other side and they actually had actually a l- help with a lot of the Irish chieftains as well because you know they were looking for kind of advantage if you like Yes, which the was the
0: best side to go absolutely
1: yeah. you know so it's always a little bit more complicated in Ireland than just you're on this side versus the English or you're on this, that side, you know what Yes. I
0: mean? And hence, so Sullivan Cam had a very tough time getting back up to Leitrim.
1: Yeah. So if you have a chance to, to look at it, folks, there's a wonderful play that actually covers all that it's donald camo sullivan bear it's actually came out quite recently covering that march i'll have a look at it if i can to reference if i can but again it's just a beautiful beautiful spot and it's just layers of history underneath this we start to put it together so that was
0: Kalekill, a wonderful spot to stop and there's a shop and a bar and small Holland's little f- small little few things in, in the village as well
1: and then the next stop we're off to stop number three on the map folks and we went to the home of the 2019 green room Hoolie, which, which of was.
0: course was Bantry, and again Bantry comes from Biaun, and believe it or not, Biaun was one of the sons of the King of Ulster, Connor McNassa, If you've ever heard of him, so Biaun is connected with Bantry, and it's still her. It's still in the name.
1: Bion, Tree. Excuse me, and in the picture there you can see Karina dwarfed by a statue, which is actually Brendan the Navigator.
0: Yes, of course, Nave Brendan, and there's a link here in the town to Nave Brendan and Brendan. Um, And uh, you know, we had some fun times there last year, really, didn't we, Mike? It was a quieter town this this time now, wasn't it? When we visited, it's
1: it's like post lockdown. It's incredible. You just you just realise we're out in the countryside there, Karina. For example, the castle and the stone circles absolutely beautiful because it's exactly as you might expect them to be any time but then you go into a town and people are just beginning to come out of their shells a lot of the places aren't opened up there's no tourists around and you kind of realize it's kind of missing the things that you'd like to see in towns you know
0: yes and i mean bantry is one town where there's so many different festivals from literary festivals to classical music there's always something going on and i i really missed i really missed seeing people and visitors around the town i must say
1: so then we actually headed back, uh, kind of back along the loop around the coast road, you can see in the map there. and our next stop stop, number four,
0: then we were heading, and we stopped off in Balady Hub.
1: Bale Hob, Bab in Irish.:
0: The mouth of the fjord of two rivers. So there's lots of bales, and there's your mouth again, the and mouth you of have the river.
1: Bally from Bale.
0: Absolutely. Now, you see the photo there is um, we stopped off at the old 12 Arch Bridge. And of course, that 12 Arch Bridge was actually a railway bridge.
1: So is actually standing on top of the bridge there, folks. You mightn't see it straight away, but she's roughly about, I suppose, 50 or 60 feet up in the air.
0: Yeah, and the railway opened there back in eighteen eighty six. Of course it's not there anymore, but the nice thing about around Ireland now is that we're reclaiming these old railway lines for maybe greenways, cycle paths, walkways, and there's a lovely one here that I'm standing on. Looks out to the to the water as well and out into the bay in Baldehob.
1: And I suppose an unfortunate side of this would have been, you know, although it was open quite late in eighteen eighty six. This would have been a very um, efficient transportation means for emigrants leaving Ireland from Skull, from Baldiha, from Skibbereen, from all that part of West Cork, which really kind of emptied out right up to the 1950s. So you got on a, the tram here, if you like, and you made your way up into uh, Skibbereen and Bandon and up into Cork and down into what was Queenstown at the time. And you left on a steam liner then to head to. The US or England or Australia.
0: I'd like to share a story, Mike, about a hill in the town of Baldy Hub that's called Staball Hill. Now, do you remember you told me that you used to cycle up that hill?
1: Oh, God, we used to run it as well.
0: And though. the gradient was so steep. But what a name! And it's come down still that name, Staball Hill, from a battle that was there in 1642. And you can imagine what was happening in that battle if they call it Staball Hill.
1: And, you know, just as you say, um, you might be wondering why there was a battle in the centre of a town, but a lot of the towns actually weren't in place at that point in time. And, you know, it's a kind of funny thing, Karina, when you look at the various towns like Bantry and all these places in West Cork and Clonagilty, we're going to look at later. But they're all essentially original English settler towns for the most part. So, you know, um, an English lord, if you like, was granted some land. They brought over settlers from their estates. So you had tradespeople more or less set up in a town. And you typically had some hostile gales uh, inland. From the town, so they're often on the often on the sea, so boats could come and go easily and safely. So sort of
0: escape as well, I yeah. guess, if there
1: was trouble. And I guess over time, then of course the towns kind of integrated and kind of gallicized and so on. And you have the Irish towns we know today, but they were that originally. They were those kind of English plantations originally,
0: almost like outposts, really, weren't they, Mike?
1: So we're leaving Baldiha behind us, Corina. Where are we off to next?
0: Well, no, we're heading back again towards Cork direction, I suppose. But how well, are you feeling? Hungry. (laughs) So we're off to our next stop. Now, this is a favorite place for my youth because this is actually a place where I learned to swim. So this is Glandor and Glandor is a beautiful little sailing village and by the sea. And it comes from the word Coondor, which can be called the golden harbor or the harbor of the oaks. And you can actually see those trees there in the background behind the church um, in Glandor. So it's a beautiful little spot. And as it's post-COVID time now, unfortunately, we brought our own lunch. So we were well prepared because nothing was really open at all in the village. And we stopped down by the water and had a picnic.
1: And the birds were fairly waiting for us to finish up as well and leave bits behind. I'm sure they're having a hard time these days getting their hands on some food. You can uh, see two, a two-headed seagull there.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a wonderful little place as well with uh, lots of sailing going on in the summer and great tales of the Spanish sailors who might have been shipwrecked on the rocks out there. There are two rocks out in the harbour in Glandor called Adam and Eve and they always say avoid Adam and hug Eve if you're a sailor, so I'm sure there's lots of uh, tales there down through the centuries.
1: So you had the pirates, you had the fishermen, you had the Spanish galleons. I mean just on and on and on Karina really. And you had all these coves um all up and down the actual West Cork coast, which are just fascinating place, and of course give us thousands of miles of shoreline for a relatively small county.
0: And one little thing I noticed there in the paper today is that there's a, one of the wonderful stone halls, it's called Is For Sale. And this is a fantastic house that was built by the Allen family, who were the local landowners there back in the 1800s. And you can pick that up for a snip at about three and a half million euros. So if
1: you Google Stone Hall, Glandor, County Cork, you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. I think we might actually, uh, actually that'd be a good idea for Green Room HQ. Oh, that'd
0: be fantastic. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So we had our lunch, uh, enjoyed it mightily, a little trip down memory lane there. And we headed further east back in our loop to a place called Clonakilty.
0: Now, Clonakilty is a very bustling town and actually a very desirable one. It's won lots of awards as the best place to live in Ireland. Great uh, music. Great music. And I know some of our Green Room members have been there and spent many a, a day or night, let's say, in the Barra's music um, bar. But Clock means the stone of the wood. or And we think really it's the stone castle in the wood. And that's what Clonakilty means. So we're
1: back to like Kale Kill. kill? Which was let me think wood wasn't it yeah. yes you yeah, the used queen now we got the kill as well so here we have got the kill in Clonakilty as well as kill in Kille Kill actually meaning the same thing from the original Irish which is for wood yes yeah, so right, lecture over
0: lots of woods and lots of rivers and uh, fording rivers mentioned in the in the towns and villages around West now Cork. folks
1: if you're ever wandering around the town it's very important to stop and be photographed uh, at a street that's named after you. Not just your actual surname, but also your forename. So I'm kind of lucky when I wander around Clonacilty, as it was, in fact, the hometown he was born just outside and worked in the town of Michael Collins himself.
0: Yeah, he went to secondary school there, Mike. So there you go.
1: There we go. (laughs) So he learned his Irish and learned how to sit still and be good and how to be a rebel. So we actually had a great time in Clon. And just to point out there, you see a picture of Karina sitting at the base of a statue. And wherever you see a statue with somebody holding a pike, In Ireland, it generally relates back to the rising of 1798. But just to say one little thing before we talk a little bit more about that. Um, We wanted to stop in Skibbereen, which is the town uh, just before this one and where we held our 2017 Green Muhoolie. And there's something called a Maid of Erin or a Maid of Ireland statue in the centre of the town. Now, you find these actually throughout uh, towns in Ireland, all over Ireland, actually. And typically, they're a statue with a statue of a woman on top, that represents Ireland, if you like. And underneath then you have four sides to the actual statue in writing. And each side typically represents a different uprising, starting typically in 1798 and working on to the young Irelander arising and so on and so forth. But I think what's interesting about that, Corrine, is these made of iron statues, you know, you won't find 1916 written on any one of the sides because they were typically put up at a time when the British administration was in place in the late 1800s. You know, so, you know, some people, that confuses a lot of people. I'd say, well, you know, why would you actually put up kind of commemorative statues to uprisings?
0: Against the administration at the time.
1: And it kind of shows you just how perhaps how complex things were in Ireland at the time and perhaps how tolerant they were. Um, Maybe the administration felt safe in doing so. But I guess if it was 20 years later, they wouldn't have felt as safe, you know. So we're back here to this particular statue, Karina, and uh, as you can see there, it's actually, if you look down, erected in 1898 by the Clonakilty 1798 Association.
0: So one on on the 100 years after the 1798 Rising, and of course, we don't have many of those statues down in the south and uh, in the west West Cork because this town Clonakilty was the only town that struck a blow for freedom actually for for the 1798 Rebellion. Most of that, of course, was happening up around Wexford. And so the people of Clonakilty wanted to commemorate the fact that they actually had also stood with their comrades from Wexford.
1: And at that point, then, Karina says, you go home in the car, I'm going to take the bicycle. <laughs> and you can see from the photograph here in front of Van Chock Bjog, which means what, Karina?
0: Of course, the small house on Chok, the house, Bjog,
1: small. Isn't that a lovely photograph? Really, and very
0: yeah. nice actually we saw that down a little side street we were walking back to the car and you often notice interesting things down side streets and this was a lovely little street and the history of the street really was to do with the fishing industry back in the day in Clonakilty. and this is where all the fish were cleaned and gutted and obviously a river ran down here before everything was thrown into the river um, but now they have this lovely little house with the done up and the old Irish writing so, and Queen
1: is standing in front of the sign for Guinness there so it's not to make a st- too sad that all the pubs are closed at the moment and there's no Guinness available except in your own good living room. But I think it was with that, Karina. then we actually said, OK, the day's over. What do we do next? We'll head home.
0: We'll head home and home we headed. And you know what? We're not used to being out and about, which is interesting, too. We'd we'd had enough with that.
1: Yeah. But just before we actually just uh, leave, you know, we're actually going to have a piece of music which uh, f- one of the other things that West Cork has actually very fa- has become famous for are its cheeses and its food generally down through the last number of decades. And uh, Clonacilty in particular has a product called Clonacilty Black Pudding, something which the French would call boudin as a kind of a blood pudding, basically. But it's something, if you've travelled around Ireland, you would have been offered uh, alongside your rashers and sausages in the breakfast plate. So, Karina, what did you think of our trip, like, dull here,
0: Going West, a dull here. I need no excuse to go West because when we go West, we find a totally different Ireland really to around the cities. The people of West Cork, really friendly. The places full of history and interest. And even if we went out to get today again, Mike, and did the same tour, we'd stop and meet and see and do different things. There's just loads to do. This was a, a snapshot really.
1: Well, I hope that trip whetted your appetite for getting out and about in Ireland as uh, soon, I suppose, as you can travel here if you actually live uh, overseas or indeed if you're local. Hopefully now you can travel inside your own county boundaries. I know we really, really enjoyed that trip and we're very, very much looking forward to travelling to just some of those places we actually mentioned, some of those six beautiful places we mentioned during that lockdown tour of County Cork. Now, remember, guys, you can actually get access to the photographs and the map that we actually mentioned at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 61. I'll repeat that again. The location is aletterfromireland.com forward slash 61. 61 so this is mike here really enjoyed that kickoff sharing with you to series six of the letter from ireland show and uh looking forward to uh staying with you for the rest of the series so slam for now and talk very very soon
0: if you've enjoyed today's letter from ireland show we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of The Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the Green Room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com, and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice.